gets inside, leans in, knocked away and stolen by Holiday. Now up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. To Curry, way down top. This the dagger. This kind of sick. Zion's gonna want out soon. Here's the thing, I don't think the front office of that organization, of that New Orleans organization, knows what the heck they're doing. What can I say? Mamba out. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Eunangst, and today we are on day two of the road to the NBA trade deadline. That's right, this is day two. If you guys did not see yesterday's podcast episode, I made the huge announcement that since the trade line is coming up, I'll be releasing a podcast episode detailing the deadline each day leading up to the 9th. Today is the 31st, so from now until the 9th, continuing what we started yesterday, we will be doing this. Hope you guys haven't had a good Tuesday because we have nine more days to go if you're not counting today. And we actually have a lot to get into. We have the Bucks' current offer for the Suns. The Mavericks are ready to trade some of their players. One are being named. Bones Highland can be traded into a team that may seem unlikely to the untrained eye. Uh, tons of Raptors news that we will begin to. You know, we're gonna be since a lot of it is well, since a lot of news is gonna be around the Raptors. My topic of the day is gonna be answering this: Should we expect the Raptors to blow up the roster and go into complete rebuild mode? I'm gonna answer that. Then we also got Jeremy Grant. But guys, this could be Raptors filled with sprinkling other news. In there, um, so yeah, I got like I said before, trade on is coming up. I got nine more days of this. I don't care if it's a Wednesday, a Saturday, we're leading up to February 9th. And then I want to try something really cool for February 9th the trade on that's gonna take place on YouTube live stream, but I'm not gonna say anything, I'm not gonna reveal anything. I want to, I want to get something together. That will be released at a later date. If you guys are getting ready for the trade line, go follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, subscribe, smash the like button, turn on notifications, because we're going to be ramping it up hard, and we're going to be ramping it up like you've never seen it before on the website, courtsy.com, on all of the social media accounts, and... Everywhere else you can find our glorious content, my glorious content. And if you guys would not mind, but take a minute or two out of your day and just go to Patreon, support Courts of Heat. It would mean the world to me, continuing, allowing me to continue to give you guys the best content possible on the face of this world through podcasts, YouTube videos, um, outstanding articles, live streams, everything that we do that we provide, it would be very, very uh, generative. Uh, I don't think that's a word. I'm not. That'd be very awesome, very cool. And the link is going to be down below. But obviously, um, just go to Patreon 
Yeah, it's going to be in the show notes, but just go to, I, I think it was like uh, patreon.com slash courtsideheat. It's actually not that hard. Yeah, patreon.com slash courtsideheat. Um, remember, it's going to be in the login. I'm not asking for any major donations, but a simple $3 a month or just a quick $3 donation for general support where you guys get to ask me any questions would be amazing. For general support, $3 a month, but I'm running this now for $7 a month to become a veteran supporter going away from being a rookie. You can text me your questions and I'll give you an answer. You get 20% off after spending $35 on my store plus more exclusive perks. Because I don't want to tell you what you get if you spend $18 a month. For all, all the exclusive content, live Q&As, Patreon shout-out, Patreon shout-out, 30% off for 45 or more, 50% off. You don't have to spend a lot of money. And exclusive voting power and so much more. Um, remember, patreon.com slash courtsideheat. That's going to be down in the link in the description below. So do not miss it. It would mean the world to me. And with that being said, guys, remember 2K or, um, content and other popular NBA videos come out, of course, heat every single day. So let's jump into this. I've already spent five minutes and I do not want to waste any more time. And what would be a good opener? Let's talk about the Milwaukee Bucks and Phoenix Suns. My Phoenix Suns, we have been belaboring the point of Jay Crowder. We have been hyping up Jay Crowder and what the Suns may get in return and what teams have to give up. Well, Shane Sharani came out actually two hours after my podcast episode, or an hour after my podcast episode dropped, about the um, Bucks getting permission from the Suns to go speak with um, Jay Crowder. Then it came out that, well, we already have that, so you already have the permission aspect, now we have the trade aspect, the offer aspect. So the Bucks' current offer for the Suns regarding Jay Crowder is Jordan Nora, Sergi Baca, George Hill, and two second round picks. Um, honestly, I don't know how to feel. I want everyone to keep this in perspective. Jay Crowder is on an expiring contract. Who we've been paying for for the past X amount of games for, for the past half season. So he's an expiring guy. He doesn't want to be on this team anymore. Clearly. So, look. You were never expecting some big guy, some big name guy out there. You weren't expecting to get back a lottery pick. You weren't expecting to get back all these super talented players. And I'm not saying that these guys can't be that in some ways. But Jordan Nora, I'll start off with him. He's 24 years old right now. Um, 
He's not having a bad season. In 16 minutes, he's averaging 6 points, 3 rebounds, and 1 assist. He is currently down in points per game, and his field goal percentage is down by 2%. But so are his minutes by 3. He went from 19 minutes to 16 minutes. So, you will have that. But he has been good in certain stretches. He's not a bad player. He's a power forward, small forward, so he's overall forward. He was a second round pick. Take that as you will. So, from still being in the league and producing that is not bad. Then you got Serge Ibaka. We all know what he did with the Raptors. Injuries have been hindering him. He's 33 years old. He's a center, uh, power forward center, right? He's not been playing a lot. He will not be playing the rest of this season until he's traded to a new team. The Bucks him have mutually agreed to that. But his production has been down significantly. But that can't be explained due to injuries and due to how teams want to utilize him. The Clippers, when they first got him, utilized them. But he was down four points from 2019's performance with the Raptors in his final performance, right? That was his final season, and that's when he won the championship. Then him and Kawhi left, and then he joined Kawhi down in, down in L.A. for two seasons. Until getting traded halfway through the second season to Milwaukee to play 19 games, only to get hurt, to only be playing 16 games this season with Milwaukee until being traded and he'll play more. So his production is down, but as a veteran, I think Sergi Baca is better than uh, Bismack Biombo to a certain extent. I think he's a little more advanced, a little more in depth. I do like Busy, but. Serge Bach is pretty good. And then when we get down to George Hill, who has played in this league for a very long time. He's 36 years old. He's been playing since 08, when he originally got uh, uh, drafted to the uh, San Antonio Spurs. His production has been down, but again, uh, he's on the box. You're not expecting to uh, get many shots. But, he is playing 19 minutes, so take that as you will. He's been up and down again. Injuries have been costing him. He has been traded a lot in his career. I believe three times. Um, let me check. One, two, three. He's been traded three times. He's signed with a total of one, two, three, four, five, six teams. He played in Milwaukee from 2018 to 2019 until going to OKC for a season, then being traded to Philly for that 2020 season, and he came back to Milwaukee. So, so yeah, he's been around the block of Milwaukee a few times, to say the least. But that's where you're at. Then you have two second-round picks. No idea how valuable those will actually be in the grand scheme of things. But if I'm the... Sons, and that's the best offer. Obviously, take it. Unless you're gonna try to get OG Anobi, and you're gonna make it like a freeway trade with the Raptors, uh, Suns, and Bucks. Okay, now it's kind of interesting, and it could be a win-win for everyone. Could be. I wouldn't see why not. I'm not gonna get into the specifics of what I 
of why I believe OJ Nobi could work for the Phoenix Suns, or why I think that the Phoenix Suns would be a good fit. All, all I'm going to say is that the Suns have interest in him, but it's going to take a lot of muscle, power, and effort just to make it work. I probably will cover that tomorrow for Wednesday's edition of the special trade line um, week, but I'm not going to cover it today. Because I think to fully understand it's going to need its own episode, it's going to need its own just a little carving of time, right? And I just don't want to cram too much information because I have a lot of information on the Raptors and OJ Anobi and Pascal Siakam and Gary Trent Jr. and Fred Van Vliet and Thaddeus Young and all those other guys on that squad. So I have all of that going. But right now, the current offer from the box to the Suns regarding Jay Crowder is Jordan Norwa, Serge Ibaka, George Hill, and two second rounders. Pretty much two mediocre picks, a young player with developmental prospect who is who can be a, a developmental player that could turn good, right? And then two veterans. One who's 33 with injuries that's been sidelining him, but then George Hill, who's just extremely old. He is a year younger than Chris Paul, and his production is way down. Well, I'm just going to confirm this. Chris Paul, 37 to 38. He's 37. Chris Paul plays 31 minutes, 14 points. 12 minutes less than that, and you only see 6 minutes. I get there's a difference, but I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Nothing against Jordan Hill, but I, I remember Jordan Hill when he was on the... Oklahoma City Thunder. For whatever reason I do. Because I don't know if you guys remember playing those old EA NBA Live games when you had Joel Beat on the cover and everyone else. It was actually super fun. Those those games weren't bad. Sure, they're not going to be able to compete with 2K. Most definitely. But it was fun when it had a mini run. So that's how I remember him. Just see him on 2K when I was doing uh, Thunder stuff. So yeah. That, 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 I don't know why I felt the need to bring that up, but I did. So, pretty much, three players, two old, one young, and two mediocre picks. But picks nonetheless. But for sake of rounders, it's like, eh. And I, I want to get the confusion out of the way real quick, guys. Am I against draft picks? No. But I value first rounders way above second rounders. Why? Because... When you have a second round pick, it pretty much means nothing. Especially a late second round pick. I'm sorry. And I feel bad for all the players that have to go in second round. Because those guys just don't pan out. There are no hidden gems. Sometimes, like Nikhil Jokic, like a few other guys, but those are just a handful of guys out of the hundreds of the guys that have gone in the second round and have flopped. Not because they had high expectations, just because they went in the second round and they could never pan out their career. Right, so... Um, so I'm not the biggest fan on second round uh, players in the in the NBA. Now, if you're talking about in the NFL, okay, but that's different. That's different. 
If you're talking about NHL, NFL, that's different. They have more rounds. It's a lot different. But for everyone out there, it's like the seventh round for the second round of the NBA. If you're comparing NFL and NBA, right? But you got to remember, guys like Dennis Rodman, Chris Middleton, uh, Marcus Saul, Mon Ginobili, Grandma Green, Paul Millsap, Nikhil Yogic, Tony Kukoc, Tony Kukoc is Jeff Hornacek. Those guys are just some of the few that actually were good. And I know you also have like David Mellon in there, and I'm scrolling down the list, but then you have guys like Mo Williams that never panned out. But I get it. So I'm not saying that second rounders are bad. Because when I'm looking at this list, you got Jeremy Grant, you got Norman Powell, you have Malcolm Brogdon, you have Lou Williams, you have a lot of guys. But I'm not. Look. I'm just not the bat. I'm just not very high on second rounders. Because there's only a handful of guys. There's only a handful of guys. And that is spreading out from years, decades. I went from in the 80s when Dennis Rodman got drafted by the Pistons, right? And then I jump over to Kill Jokic. Kill Jokic was a fat boy who turned out to be this savage basketball player. You, do you remember him as a child? His child photos, him shirtless, that's a nightmare, but him shirtless as a child... It turned into a meme. It turned into a meme. Now, he's a very popular meme that's worth a lot of money and it has two MVPs, I'm just saying. And he's, uh, he's chasing the third one, but I'm just saying. And you got lucky. You got lucky with Steve Kerr. You got lucky with Doc Rivers. You got lucky with how these guys turned out. Paul Gasol's career was really behind by Kobe Bryant him working so well in L.A. Uh, I believe post-Shaq. So when you really look at it, there's been tons of second round bust, right? So I'm very not high uh, on second rounders. Could they be useful? Could you find hidden gems? Maybe, but I, I get it. Look, I'm reading a stat right now, which asks, what percentage of second round picks make the NBA? 2.4%. They just don't pan out. So I don't like second round picks. It's very slim. And the odds are stacked against you. They just are. But that's just where I'm at right now. I'm not saying that. We need to get all extreme right. I'm not I'm not saying any of that. All I'm saying is that. They're second round picks. They don't have much value to me. Now. Moving away from that and the Bucks' current offer to the Suns regarding Jay Crowder, just uh, dismissing all of that right now, I want to move to one of the foes, one of the rivals of the Phoenix Suns, and that would be um, uh, would be the Mavericks. I sounded so surprised. Like when I said, I'm so surprised, confused when I said, but no, the Mavericks. They're open to trading Dorian Finney-Smith for a star player. Remember, guys, the Mavericks are under intense pressure to turn around their team. I know that many people 
have said that the recent rumors of Luka Doncic wanting and putting pressure onto his team to get better players is a myth and a lie. And I think Mark Cuban says something online about it, publicly about it. But I think that they're gonna they're gonna try to make a push, and I wouldn't be surprised, especially to the injuries that they've been suffering, like most notably Christian Wood. But they're gonna be looking to trade the 29-year-old who's only averaging 8.8 points and four and a half rebounds off of 40.9% from the field, and he's doing this in 32 minutes. Now they're expecting a star player. I I expect that to go down. He's just not really panned out for the Mavericks. I know it goes beyond stats and who he is, but yeah, just I'm not really. I'm not just a very. I'm not a big Dorian Finney-Smith guy, and the problem is is that. The, the, the Mavericks have tried really, really hard. Because he was on draft a free agent. Who was signed back on July 8th, 2016. Right? And then he was re-signed with the franchise on July 11th, 2019. So, he wasn't bad in college. But he's one of those guys that averaged double digits in college. But could never pan out in the pros. And no matter how many men you give them, how many good players you give them, it just does not work. And it's a shame, but I don't think they're going to start a player. I think that offer would go down. Is he a good basketball player? Sure. But I don't think the Mavericks are getting a quote-unquote star player for him in exchange, right? I don't see that happening. But I think the Mavericks will become aggressive with their picks, with some of their players, where they see fit. To go out and get some guys. And they can also target the bio market. Remember the bio market is a very real thing. For a lot of teams. I believe that the Suns don't do anything major to trade online. Because it has been rumored and reported. But rumored and speculated. Okay if the Suns don't do anything. Then they'll just go to the bio market. And see if they can pick up someone cheaper. And it won't cost them that much. Right. I think the Mavericks could do that too. I think a, a lot of teams could do that too. I really, really do believe that. But that's the Mavericks' plans right now. As they're open to trading Dory Finney-Smith for a star player. Those are their expectations. That's what they want to have accomplished. I'm going to keep y'all monitored and just looped in on that one. Because I find that interesting. Because the Mavericks definitely need to make a change. Because... Here's here's my feeling on it. Because yesterday, I don't know if you saw yesterday's game between the Pistons and Mavericks, but the Mavericks only won by 6, 111-105. They were at home, and for them to win, Luka Doncic had to score 53 points with 8 rebounds and 5 assists in 36 minutes. Very impressive. Dorian Finney 6 was a rebound machine with 7. The second highest rebounder for the Mavericks. Right? And third... Uh, largest rebounder of the game. But that's all I'm going to do. And you only had two assists and six, six points. It's tough. I also think Tim Hardaway Jr. could be on his way out. I wouldn't be surprised if they trade the 30-year-old. Sure, he's averaging nice minutes, but you can't be 
only winning by six points, winning a game by six points against a 13 and 39 team. That's just bad, especially when you're playing at home. Now I have a feeling this is a lot closer because Dallas scored 28 points against Detroit's 21 to fourth. So that tells you a lot. That tells you a lot right there. So that there's a lot that needs to be considered right now. But yeah, look at on to join 17 of 24 from the field. And if you think about it, well, think about it. So, um, the Mavericks attempted 79 shots. They only made 39. 17 of the 39 made shots came from Luka. So the team was only able to make, um, 22 shots that weren't, that wasn't him. Which is actually, which is actually not good. If you attempt 79, so attempt 79, take up to 24, that's 55. And you only get, what I say, you only got 17, make that 22, and you only have 22. That's not good. That's not a good percentage. They only were capitalizing on 25% of their shots if I did the math correctly. And I'm not a very good math person. Trust me. I just can't do math. Um, I am like a certified idiot in that department. But anyways, that's why I'm covering basketball. Because <laughs> we know sports have something to do with numbers and math and analytics. Ugh. But no, what I'm saying is that when you look at the Mavericks as a whole, you're like, sure you could say that Luka Doncic is being a ball hog, but when you don't have another scorer out there like a Christian Wood or Chris Porzingis when healthy, it's like, okay, um, what are we doing out here? Because you can't only be capitalizing on 25% of your shots as a team, excluding your franchise player. Because, I just want to say this, Without Luka Doncic, they would have lost. I, I think we already tested that. I think we already determined that. Because the Detroit Pistons were 36-79 from the field. Take out Luka Doncic and you try to just do that on your own. It's tough. Like, their second highest score was Spencer Dinwiddie with 12 points. He was 5-16. So it's not like they got these guys couldn't get shots. They got shots. Spencer Dinaway was just cold. How many shots did Dorian Finney-Smith take? Only five, two, for, two of five. Okay, he capitalized 40% of his shots. Okay, Tim Hardaway Jr., three of ten. Like, really? You got to be able to make more than that. Dwight Plough, he's playing 27 minutes. One of four. These guys aren't just either attempting shots or just flat out missing. Reggie Bullock. 3 of 5. It's not bad. 6.9 for the field for a majority defensive guy. Josh Green, 22-year-old. 20, uh, I think he's the rookie. I don't think he's a rookie. Look, he went 3 of 4. Look, I'm not expecting great numbers out of him. He's been here since 2020, right? You, get, you got JaVale McGee playing 10 minutes. 4 of 5. That's actually really good. And then Davis Bertons, he went 0-3. He played 8 minutes and went 0-3. 
did not get a rebound, assist, points, nothing. So I'm just saying, I know I ran for everyone. I know I get Jane Hart too. He's one of three free points, but he's only playing, averaging 10 minutes. He only played six minutes that game. I think Jane Hardy can actually be something very, very good. Keep an eye out for him. I'm being legit when I say that. So I think it's time to say, okay, Tim Hardaway's got to be gone. Dorian Finney-Smith can be gone. You're not going to get a star player from Unless you're going to throw in a first rounder with him to get a star player, that would be different. So I guess they're feeling offers from feeling filling the market. I don't know. Trying to gauge the value that teams are assessing to them. But yeah, that's that. <laughs> that's really all I got. Um, it's just gonna look really sad for the Mavericks, cause you can't be only winning by six points against a thirteen and thirty nine team, win that game, and expect not to have troubles in the postseason. Luka Doncic can't do everything for that team. Even if you have Christian Wood or not, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. And when the and when Lou Dungeon doesn't play, they're 0-6. They're they're defeated. They have a losing record when he's not playing for them. That says a lot. It does. And real quick, guys, I'm gonna get to some of the uh, Raptors news that's gonna go with the topic of the day. Remember that question that it's gonna be. Uh, that's asked and is going to be answered by me. Should we expect the Raptors to blow up their roster and go into complete rebuild mode? So I'm going to give you some context real quick before I jump into that topic. And I got a few other news involving the Trailblazers and the Nuggets. And potentially this one team that's actually not a bad fit for Bone Thailand. But it involves a basketball operations leader. President of Basketball Operations Leader. I'm going to get to that more. Just give me a second. So, OJ Anobi, I'm going to get with the injury first. OJ Anobi is set to miss at least the next four games due to left, left wrist injury. He did not play against the Phoenix Suns yesterday in the Raptors' loss to the Suns. So, expect him to be missing three to four more games at least. Wrist injuries are tough. That is... So it's like no joke, no joke. Like I've, I've had wrist injuries before. They're no fun. So don't don't expect them to be. Oh um, oh wait a minute. Um, he'll be back in four games. No, probably not. That's why I said at least. So look. The Raptors have a lot of issues right now, and I don't think that they're going to be worried about a player right now who can't play for four games, the way their season's going on that trajectory. But yeah, OJ Anobi said to miss at least the next four games due to a left wrist injury. Okay, and while you're only going to be missing at least four games, maybe a week, maybe two weeks, maybe three weeks, maybe a month, well, Raptors could be without a head coach. Did that get, did that get y'all's attention? Nick Nurse has an uncertain future as head coach of the Toronto Raptors as he will be entering the final season of his current contract 
this offseason. That's not really good. I'm going to get to the topic of the day, but let's just say most head coaches nearing expiration of their contract are already offered a new contract. But I see he was being paid, what, like $8 million per season? And he's done nothing since 2019. Keep an eye on that. I'm going to talk about that a little more here in the next few minutes, but keep an eye on that. And now, per Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports, there's been a rumbling all season long that not just one, but a few players are currently unhappy being in Toronto. So, <laughs> it's just not fervently turned down contracts. It's just not this team going through different emotions. No, no, no. Something bigger is happening. So, uh, yeah, not good. Going to talk about that in a few minutes. And then lastly, and this is the most important pertaining to the NBA trade line, the Toronto Raptors have informed teams that they will make a decision whether they're a buyer, seller, or stand pat type of team near the NBA trade deadline day, which is February 9th. I repeat, that is February the 9th. Now, I'm about to go in great details about the Raptors and giving you my takeaways and my thoughts and everything else. But real quick, before I get into that, let's talk about the Nuggets, Bones Highland, and the much-anticipated Minnesota Timberwolves when you learn this fun fact and backdrop fact. Did that make, did that make any sense? I have no idea if that made sense. Anyways, the Nuggets believe that they have momentum on a team giving Denver a first rounder for Bones Highland. And I would expect the Timberwolves to be interested in trading for him. So this is a cool fun fact. When he led the Nuggets front office, Wolves president of basketball operations, the leader, Tim Connolly originally drafted Highland with the 26th pick in the first round of 2021 NBA draft. So, Tim Connolly over here could be influencing the rest of the front office, general manager, coach, ownership, all of that good stuff. To say, hey, I already spent a first rounder on him when I was in Denver. Let's get him again. Bones Highland is actually a very good, very, very good player. So I find that interesting. There's going to be some ties. He's only 20-20. He's only 22. He's averaging 12 points, 2 rebounds, a free assist, off 40% from the field in 20 minutes. He's actually a very good basketball player. He's improving in points, shooting about the same, uh, passing and rebounding is the same. Well, he's up 0.2 in assists, but whatever. And his minutes have gone up by 0.9. All things being considered, this is not the worst. And he's been pretty accurate over the past 10 games. I am not going to lie. 10-11 games. So, look. Bones Highland could be a really good player. I am high on Bones Highland. Now, why the Knicks, or not the Knicks, but why the Nuggets could be getting rid of him it's a completely different story. They're in a win-now mentality, I guess. 
and maybe their win their win now mentality just does not have Bones Highland, who is the backup point guard to Jamal Murray. Maybe want to get a first rounder. Maybe they want to get another good player, but still on a little more volume. If I were the Nuggets, I want to get rid of Bones Highland. He's too important right now. He's been very contributional, if that's a word. And he's been contributing very nicely. He's been a very good player. Not just in my opinion, but statistically in what the whole NBA world has seen. Because him, Nikhil Jokic, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr. went healthy, Aaron Gordon, KCP, DeAndre Jordan, all those guys are good. And that's why the Nuggets are first in the Western Conference. That's that's a fact. So I do just want to say that. And also, can I just say that the Suns, despite having a very rough, rough, rough patch of the season, is only a half a game out of fourth. They're currently in seventh. Just think about that. Think about that. Just saying. Uh, Mavericks and Suns have the same record. With the Mavericks being four and six and Suns being six and four. Just gotta remember that. But anyways, I don't I if the Nuggets actually believe that they have momentum on a team given Denver a first rounder, then sure, maybe you get up the second year player for the first rounder you can use for leverage in another trade or just use for your benefit. Maybe you're like, okay, this guy's not performing that much. Maybe we get our player in a first rounder, just maybe the first rounder. If I'm the Timberwolves, I would so do this. I would do it in a heartbeat. Because if you're dead son not trained D'Angelo Russell, unless they get a blown away type offer, I would just keep them. I would have all those guys get Bones Highland. And now you're able to make a good run. I'm not saying that he's going to be the final piece, but they're 27 and 26 and add a little more depth to the guard position and just bumping them up a bit because I know you got D'Lo as the point guard and Joe Noel. But as far as I know, I think Joe Noel is going to be leaving the team for free agency. So you go get him. You have Byron Forbes and D'Lo. This team is ran by forwards and centers. They have too many centers and and forwards. They have I'm, I'm going. This is to combine. This is to combine of forwards and centers. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen listed forwards. And centers. Here are guards. Here are guards. You ready? One, two, three, four. Four. Yeah, so uh, get back court help. The front court's taken care of. Get the back court some help. And you can strengthen that by again, bones, highland. And that is a guarantee. Plus, the connection with Tim Connolly is actually a very good connection. You're his faith in Bones. Why just not trade from? 
Now, speaking about trades and listening to offers, we have the Porn Trailblazers and Jeremy Grant. So, Jeremy Grant was acquired by the Blazers from the Pistons. It's not even been an entire season yet, and they could be trading him. So, if Jeremy Grant continues to decline the contract extension from the Porn Trailblazers, then they'll start listening to offers as he is expected to make more money this summer in free agency, which is not surprising. So if he's going to go down the money round, he doesn't want to be with the Blazers anymore because they just are in a huge rebuilding mode, even though they're trying to help Damian Lillard. They just have not been able to. Jeremy Grant could pack his bags, make a little more money, and that's that. It's probably as simple as that, to be honest. Like, I'm not going to lie. It could be as simple as that. So that is something very concerning if you're a Blazers fan or if you're a part of that front office because it's like we spent all of that to get him and then he just walks out midway for the season or after this season. It's like that's, that's a really bad run with a player. I want to look up how much I try to give up to get him. So... So I forget the details of that trade. Give me, give, give me a second. Come on. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, so they gave up. So the Portland Trailblazers on July 6, 2022, uh, acquired Jeremy Grant and the draft rights to Ismail Kamaget. Sorry if I botched your name. From the Detroit Pistons exchange for the draft rights to Gabriel Posida. Oh my, I can't pronounce that name either. A 2025 first round draft pick via Milwaukee. A 2025 second round draft pick. And a 2026 second round draft pick. Huh. Look, when you have a dynamic two-way forward, that's bound to happen. It's bound to happen. So the Blazers got that. They gave up a little. They gave up some assets to get them. So let's hope it doesn't bite them in the butt. Because how upset would you be? How infuriated would you be if you gave up? And you didn't give up anything in the players, but but in picks, eh, they're second rounders. 2025 first rounder could have some value, but you just don't want to give that up regardless. Regardless, you don't want to give that up. So, that's pretty much my thoughts on all of that. And we are pretty much wrapping up breaking news around the league. And we are now heading into topic of the day. And that is, should we expect the Raptors to blow up their roster and to go into complete rebuild mode? That is actually a very good question. Many people have been asking this online. And many people are concerned about this, especially if you're a part of that um, fan base or you just like the Raptors moderately. Look, there is a lot going on. I've been breaking down the drama of Gary Trent Jr., Fred Van Vliet, one of them or both of them being traded, that Gary could be traded before Fred. I, there's been a lot happening, but then you have, well, maybe a, mo, there's multiple players that are unhappy inside the locker room, inside that franchise. 
The odds are stacked up against Toronto. Let me just say that. The Raptors, who are favored to be soaring this season without fail and to be favorites in the playoffs, are 23 and 29 and 12 in the Eastern Conference. To say the least, it's not going well. And there's no way they're going to be able to turn it around to get in the top four. Unless the Nets, 76ers, Bucks, and Celtics all fall, especially the Celtics, who have a 14 half game advantage on them, fall considerably. Do not expect that one bit. It's tough. And this is really tough because now, because the sad part is, in two and a half games, the Magic can overtake the Raptors. Think about that. Think about it. Raptors have been 4 and 6 to last 10. Nothing's going well from OJ and Obi's hurt. Uh, there's only so much that team can do. Only so much that team can do. So that's why you got to ask the question Should we expect the Raptors to blow up their roster and go into complete rebuild mode? Look. If the Raptors are looking to get rid of Fred VanVleet and Gary Trent Jr., then they'll be able to get young players and draft picks. We know that OG Anobi could go for at least three first-rounders, maybe a player is included as well. Maybe go out and just trade. Why not? Why not? Personally, I, I wouldn't be against that. The reboot button might need to be pressed now. Because if multiple players are upset, no longer happy in Toronto, then this could immediately make it very difficult for anything positive to come out of this season. It could force the front office to hit the reboot button. Whether they do it now or in the offseason, during summer, during the draft, during free agency, during that all, who knows? But you have, but you have to, but you have to know something. Siakam, Van Vliet, and Gary Trent Jr. will all need extensions after the season, as they'll all be on expiring contracts. And uh, Gary Trent Jr. and Fred Van Vliet are both both those players have player options after 2023-24 seasons up. So here's the problem. The team does not control Fred Van Vliet. Fred Van Vliet controls himself and his destiny. So if he wants to bank on himself, by all means, he's going to do that. And he is will he's free to do it. There is no doubt in my mind that he would do that if he feels as though he can make more money and he could be in a better win-now situation. The Raptors aren't in that situation. They aren't in that situation. I'm just being honest. And when you have guys like Gary Trent Jr. who's soaring up in value the teams, and Fredly who's already soared up in value and has been on the radar of many teams, both have player options after 2023-24 season and up. That is scary. That is legitimately scary. And you have to try to lock them up and spend um unholy amount of money. Un amount of money. Just being honest. I'm just being honest. Now, I do just want to say this. The only player that hasn't mentioned pub been mentioned publicly through rumors and reports is Pascal Siakam. But here's the thing. If the entire team begins to feel the feeling of leaving, 
and gets traded, then he could jump ship as well. The problem is, is that Siakam does not have a player option, but there's no team option connected to his contract. So that means he can uh, just uh, get the heck out of there or force his way out of there. Either way, this is a player league, so he's going to be able to get his way. And he's a he's a very well-known guy. He's an elite basketball player, so he'll be able to get his way. But this is just not a very good outlook on the Raptors right now. There's no good scenario running through my brain that is saying confidently that they could turn around this season, make all the drama and negativity go away, and everyone's going to want to be happy again, morale be up, and they'll be in the postseason. Playing tournament, yes. Postseason, no. This team right now is not built for the postseason, mentally or physically. I mean physically in the sense of playing these games and going through it all and battling that. Mentally, they're not. They're checking out of Toronto. They're checking out of Toronto. Look. Look. A rebuild may make sense for the offensive limitations the Raptors have, and it would make sense financially. Toronto, like I said before, are in a win-now position. And a rebuild would make sense in many ways. Plus, like I mentioned before, Nick Nurse, he had a head coach who came in 2019, and it was a rookie, who has been very mediocre since winning a championship with Kawhi Leonard and Kyle Lowry and everyone else in his rookie season back in 2019 is on an expiring contract as it isn't a great sign to see a head coach on the final year of his deal and not being offered a new one yet. Look, guys, I'm not. I've never really been a big fan of Nick Nurse. In 2019, I rooted for him because he had a good story. He won the G League championship, and he came in and was just dominating the league, taking the league by storm. But after that, nothing significant happened. He's been very mediocre, a lot of times underwhelming. The team has. Degressed, regressed under him offensively. Defensively, they're fine, but offensively, there's just no balance. There's just no balance. Uh, and there were many reports, and I know Clutch Points were was pointing that out. There's just right now. A this is a proof. This is proven time for. Uh, for Nick Nurse. I 100% believe that. There's not anything in my mind that would convince me, oh, he's going to be fine after the season. Win, lose, or draw. They, if they severely mess it up. No, 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 no. No. Per Sham Sharania, Nick Nurse's future as Raptors head coach is report expected to come into focus this summer. He's being evaluated. This is a prove year. And so, what's my take with all of this? What's my take? What is my hot take, cold take, or just perfect take because I am perfect? And know that I'm not being, I'm not having a big ego. I'm just being honest. Get real with it. Um, look, there are ma many negatives to this. There are not a lot of positives. I think the Raptors should hit the rebuild because they won a championship in 2019. They gave a lot of money to a lot of players. They've been trying to ride this tidal wave of success, or at least what they saw was success. They've been hit with a lot of brick walls.
Maybe you were able to smash through the first one like the Credible Hulk, but you're not going to be able to get through the third, second, third, fourth, or fifth, or how many are left, right? I'm just being legitimately and realistically honest. So, here's my expectations on this situation, and it, let's just say this bleeds into the offseason. So I believe it will. I believe it will. In the offseason, Nick Nurse will be fired. General Manager Bobby Webster, who was hired back 21 to a multi-year extension, he's fine, will be safe and not fired. As the Raptors will start clean after the season. Nurse will finish this season and both will end their relationship immediately as the Raptors will look for a coach that can break the barriers of the the offense faced, and a balanced enforcer offensively and defensively will come and will be hired. They're going to look for a coach that can break those barriers and be a balanced enforcer on both sides of the ball. They need that. They need that stability because all those guys play more offense and defense. That's just a fact. Other than here we go, here's the crushing part. But you're like, okay, I can meant to prepare that for the offseason. That won't that one won't be such a hard blow. Well, here we go. Here's my second take and my final take on this situation. The Raptors will trade away at least two core players to get extreme return that includes a young good player, at least four first rounders, and a rotational player that can fit into the starting lineup if needed. The four first-rounders would come in if OJ Anobi and Fred Van Vliet's traded. Gary Trent Jr., maybe get the players, and if Pascal Siakam. I'm saying Pascal Siakam would bleed into the offseason because I'm saying they're going to do the complete overhaul right here, right now. I could be wrong, but that's just how I'm reading it. So I find that very interesting. But because both Gary Trent Jr. and Fred Van Vliet have player options after 2023-24 season is up. They're going to be traded first, and then they're going to evaluate the rest of their team. And then they're just going to go, not into tank mode, but into rebuild mode, because it's too late for a tank. They're not in it for the Victor Wemiami or Scoot Henderson sweepstakes anymore, if anyone were curious. They just can't. Plus, no of those bomb-feeding feeder teams would allow that to happen. They're working too hard on losing games and being bad. But th those are just my feelings on it. So, yes, should we expect the Raptors to blow up their roster and go into complete rebuild mode? Yes, it will happen from now, the NBA trade on, all the way to the offseason when they get rid of the coaching staff, get a new head coach with a new coaching staff that the general manager has full confidence in with the ownership, the front office, whatever one. And they can rebuild this team from scratch and try to improve themselves incredibly and boldly into the next season. I honestly do believe that. They're going to go into free agency. They're going to go into draft of all those draft picks for the coming years. And I believe there's going to be some good things happening. And guys, with that being said, I just got done with one of the most crushing topic of the days that I've done in a very long time because it hurts a fan base. It's going to tear down the only international uh, team we have. So, yeah, Kansas is going to be mad at the NBA, but that's fine. 
no one likes canned anyways. It's canned, though. But yeah, I would expect the Raptors to blow the roster up and go into a complete rebuild. That's going to be their mentality. And guys, my mentality now is wrapping up this podcast episode because that's all I got. We have gone for the good, the bad, the ugly, and the super ugly if you're a Toronto Raptor fan. That was your first mistake. Besides moving to Canada. Was becoming a Toronto Raptor fan. Whew. But guys, that's all I got for today's podcast episode. We have gone through so many different things. We, and this was just a quick summer, quick recap. My quick feelings on the Toronto Raptors. If they go into a complete rebuild, I will definitely be highlighting that in the All-Star break. Especially after, way after, uh, the NBA trade line. So again, I'm not forgetting about the idea. I will be doing that during the All-Star break. So do not miss that. But yeah, guys, that's all I got for today's podcast episode. Remember, this is day 2 of 10 for our special week's edition of... The NBA trade line and just monitoring that and just going full throttle head first into it, not stopping. We're not stopping. You're not stopping. I'm consuming everything. You're consuming everything. And guys, you know what to do. You know where to find me. Courtsaheat.com, all the social media. Remember to support me on Patreon, patreon.com slash heat. And with that being said, those were my final words. Peace out.